Hello, 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 my fact friends and fiends. Welcome to spooky season, but do I have a story for you. I couldn't quite leave the story out, and when we selected it, it felt like it did belong in this year's lineup. If there's one thing that we are good at in America, it's rewriting our history. So here to unrewrite it is me, your host, Elizabeth Fury. And with me today is... I am your guest, your guest host, Robbie DeVillis. Robbie is new to the show, mm-hmm. but I doubt this is going to be the last of them. Unless, you know, I scare him off with the, the facts and talking about them. The truth is often the most scariest thing. It is. And uh, life imitates art. Right. Like with the Sim- the- when, they, like, when the Simpsons predict the future so many times. <laughs> oh, it's so true. Something we do here is that we like to put things into lateral history. And Mm. let me tell you, this one is a hell of a doozy. Once you start contextualizing stories, you can't stop. It's so intriguing because, as people, we want to be contextualized. We want people to understand why we are the way that we are, to forgive us of our faults and let us make up for some things. Unless you're potentially a sociopath, which is also known as antisocial personality disorder and defined by Mayo Clinic as a mental disorder, which a person consistently shows no regard for right and wrong and ignores the rights and feelings of others. Don't go using terms and throwing out insults without knowing at least what you're saying. Right. Like American Psycho. Don't be a Christian Bale. Don't do it. So, as we all know, but Robbie doesn't, we're going down the path of a mystery And Robbie is along for a ride that he has no clue what is going to go on. It's like one of those hay rides that could be just a fun little pumpkin adventure, or it could be the Texas Garden Tools extravaganza. (laughs) Who's to say? Well, I guess it's me. I am to say. So, you know, let's get into it, right? Yeah. Dear Robbie, allow me to tell you the absolutely horrifying tale of the Drish Manor. <gasps> All right, so a long, long time ago, in a land far, far away called Tuscaloosa, Alabama, there sits a location called Monroe Place, far better known as the Drish Manor. The land already had a dark history before the home was ever built, okay? This particular part of Alabama was off to a terrible start, okay? We're going to start at 1813 to 14, where Tuscaloosa now is. And that's embroiled in a conflict called the Creek War. It's also been referred to as the Red Stick War or Creek Civil War, as it was originally between two factions of the Native American Creek people, But then, of course, European countries and the United States just had to get involved and co-opt it for their own white means. Andrew Jackson, currently a general and actual shit stain, forced the Creek Confederation to surrender 21 million acres of land to the United States with the Treaty of Fort Jackson, which is a true piece of white agenda if i have ever heard one then redistributed the creek confederation's wealth to white land snatchers we all know this land now as southern georgia and central alabama i feel like co-opting a native american civil war 
and then giving the land to white people. That does not work in my brain, but guess what? It happened. Here we are. Are you flabbergasted? I am flabbergasted. That that is messed up, you know? That especially just to 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 give all that up for nothing? Like at least at least the fur trade which I, I had its own issues, there was at least some exchange just for nothing. That's that's straight up that's straight up thievery. I'm pretty sure there's more to it than that, but not enough to uh 21 million acres? That's a lot. That's a you lot. Roll up, yeah, you roll up into a civil war and then are like, I'm going to snatch your land. Right? That's that's probably like a thousand suburbs right there. Because I feel like one suburb house is like less than an anchor. It's a lot of suburbs. I'm just... <sighs> well, so let's talk about one of these colonizers, okay? Okay. That's going to be Dr. John Drish. He's a widower from Virginia. He could have just stayed in Virginia. After the death of his first wife, he sent his infant daughter, Catherine, to live with relatives. And he migrates to the newly established town of Tuscaloosa. Tuscaloosa. In in 1822. He was young and allegedly charming. And it wasn't long before he met a rich widow by the name of Sarah Owen McKinney. Now, I know what you're all thinking. 1822. Things are getting tense, and you are correct. Now, the U.S. merged East Florida with West Florida to form one big Florida. I had no idea that there was an East and West Florida. There's different parts. Yeah, now we have one big Florida. And this has made a lot of people angry and widely regarded as a bad move. And of course, I was going to sneak that Douglas Adams quote in there somewhere (laughs) regarding (laughs) Florida. (laughs) But we're also in this, quote, era of good feeling, end quote, from 1817 to 1825. And sure, there's key events, blah, blah. But to this concept, as an actual human being here, and to you as well, who is also an actual human being, I believe we both would call bullshit to that concept as other human beings in the United States are enslaved. So take those good feelings and shove it up your bum hole. (laughs) The end. Strong words. Mic drop. Right? So we're going to go back to uh, Alabama. Yeah, we're we're still in Alabama. With a banjo on our knee. Jeez. I know, that's an old one crickets you mean an old but inaccurate (laughs) john drish that colonizer he married that rich widow sarah owen mckinney on in who cares 1825 ultimately bringing catherine to live with them because you know he couldn't take care of an infant daughter by himself he is but a man so now that there is a woman he can now have said child he needs to learn to change some diapers it's a very practical skill to have you know learn to cook some food even if you're on the battlefield or something it's like oh i'm hungry it's like well uh, this rosemary is really great seasoning on these ribs guys you know it's it's a very (laughs) practical skill to have you know what you say rosemary i'm pretty sure they were just putting plain pasture grass they're like ah it just tastes different now just throw it on there 
<laughs> I wonder how many times people took some random herbs and the herb. I know there's classic. Oh, you should eat the berries, but how many like er like herbs? Like this is probably what this is, and then they put it on there, and then uh, they would never come back home. I wonder how many people died of eating the berries anyway. Right, the berries. Yeah, and I, I hope they at least had a good time on their way out. You know? Uh, you know, I I feel like they didn't. I feel like it was like a dysentery level death. Yeah, you know, no, what I'm saying? eat the berries. And they're like, mm, we ate the berries. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to die out in the woods. Oh man, it's a terrible place to buy, to die. No comfort, especially if you have like diarrhea level. Discomfort, oh, man. What did they do? I mean, I, I mean, do they just use leaves and stuff? I think they just lived with it. Oh man, I I'm, know. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I always make sure there's toilet paper in stock. I know, right? I, I, well, see, I consider myself an indoorsy kind of person <laughs> because you know we didn't create indoors to go back outdoors. That's how right. I feel. Shelter is shelter for a reason, y'all. But guess what? Mm-hmm. Dr. John Drish, he practiced medicine. I bet you he would know the answer. Mm-hmm. And he builds that medical practice and saves a small fortune as a contractor. But guess how he's a contractor? How is he a contractor? You're going to you're going to be so upset right now. Okay, I'm prepared. Like most rich white assholes in his day, Drish owned slaves. He had about 2 dozen men and women Human fucking beings Mm -hmm. who were highly skilled artisans. And he hired them out to other members of the community to create ornate work in plaster, wood, and iron on many of the first grand buildings in Tuscaloosa. The bad form of passive income right there. That's the bad Uh bad kind. Usually it's good, but that's that's bad passive income. I wonder what it feels like to make money off of other human beings' works and pay little, like, Nothing. Nothing can, for it. You can probably still find people today to answer that question, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. So between practicing medicine, which I do feel like it was practice, mm-hmm. uh, he invested in railroads. He did serve the, in the Alabama House of Representatives and then profited off of human beings, incredible craftsmanship. Drish became a wealthy man enough to retire in 1837. At the ripe age of only 42. I was just about to ask. He was 42 when he retired. 42. Man, teachers don't even have those good benefits. <laughs> teachers don't make shit. Yeah, I know. I have family of teachers and, you know, I think the golden age is like 80. 20, 15, 20 years or something. You, you have to like put in a good chunk of time to really get those retirement benefits, but not definitely not 42 like uh, like this guy. Oh, dude, I feel like in Los Angeles, most of the friends that I know are like, you'll retire when you're 80. And, you know, with our with everybody's uh, uh, I feel like throughout history, they always push the meter a little bit forward, you know, because back. In the day when people would work in like factories and during the Industrial Revolution, people did a lot of manual labor jobs. And then the human, you know, a human being probably is too tired to do these like really intense manual labor jobs. And so, you know, when people started doing working more white collar jobs and more in offices, I feel like that sort of like pushed the retirement up a little bit because they could the mind will not go as quickly as the body. 
And now everybody's like work from home and like it's just per- throughout human history and also life extension. P- humans are living longer and healthier. It's uh, blows my mind. But OK, so we're back to how this idiot re- like, you know, retired at 42 and mm-hmm. he gets to enjoy this Greek revival mansion, Monroe Place. But it turned out not to be a peaceful retirement. So at least we have that. His relationship with his daughter, Catherine, was not a good one. He was rumored to have locked her up until she agreed to break up with a man he disapproved of. Catherine ultimately married a man named William King, who Drish approved of. But King divorced Catherine on the grounds of insanity. Because, you know, that's the, uh, quote, antebellum code, end quote, for disobedience or independent thought, you know? Dang, that's and, like that's like the bad version of Fiddler on the Roof. Right? And he sent her and their sons back to live with her father and stepmother. So she's supposed to have gone absolutely mad from seeing her former lover from afar after marrying William King. And her last days in Monroe Place were spent playing the piano in her room while a servant kept watch. What did they do to her? Why does this feel like, oh, the Kennedy sister? Oh, really? Uh, it sounds like she died of a broken heart. It's so sad. But that's, you know, they say that as a uh, a cover for, it sounds like she died of getting abused. Oh, yes. Abused. And, you know, her life could have been so much better if she actually got to be with uh, the love of her life. But she was she was constrained to the or given some the rules. fucking freedom. Uh, oh, absolutely. She was she literally was not even able to choose uh, her 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 partner, her, her husband. She was controlled by her father or stepfather. Father. No father. She father. Had mother. Yeah. So during this time. Right. We have poor. Poor Catherine. Mm-hmm. I do feel for her, though. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sad. He adds a three-story tower and other Italian details to the house, trying to keep up with other local builders, quite literally keeping up with the Joneses here. And this tower is where additional tragedies occur. Done. Other dun, than, you dun. know. Right? Other than, like, the human beings and disenfranchisement. Mm-hmm. on his property you know main tragedy right there <laughs> that's that that's what ends up on the on the on the front page of the media unfortunately <laughs> at the peak of his wealth in 1860 john drish owned 90 slaves and was making a fortune off of their work on buildings all over tuscaloosa so what's going on in 1860 things are uh, getting real close to something right Things are they're they're heating up to a, a fairly large and uh, bloody event. You know, I I cannot not mention the Pemberton Mill collapse in Lawrence, Massachusetts. We all know that one, right? <laughs> of no. course. <laughs> no, I think uh, many of my peers do not. We talk a lot about industrial irresponsibility on this podcast, right? So I think I would be remiss not to mention the death of 145 workers who were either crushed or burned alive, or the 166 workers who were injured in the collapse. All of that 
due to, of course, design flaws and overloading. Yes, investigators did find that the disaster was entirely preventable and all contributing factors of substandard construction and extreme overload were evident. It takes death in America for anything to change, and that's a sometime. Their ignorance will be punished. Truly. This event was often used as a reference to much-needed improvements in workplace safety and industrial construction. However, I think we all know, if you're a long-time listener of this podcast, it takes a lot longer for anything to really be changed. Unfortunately, that's very true. I feel like in order for things to truly change, almost pretty much the worst has to happen, really with anything. People aren't wise it's it's a it's a very typical flaw of human beings where it's like no 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 it'll be fine no 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 it'll be fine and unfortunately a lot of uh, situations you have to hit rock bottom and sometimes when you hit rock bottom there still isn't any change growth usually happens through through struggle and not through wisdom oh definitely and I often reference my episode on the triangle shirtwaist factory. Um, regarding the entire fuck up that was that fire and disaster and how many women died because of zero safety measures to make sure that people could get out or the working conditions being absolutely horrendous. And that's another one. And that happened, what, 50 years later? Was that, was that in Chicago or San Francisco? I think I've heard of a a big fire like that, where like that was like the big fire that actually you actually had to like implement things like fire escapes and stuff like that. New York. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they had a they had a fire escape and it was so old that it fell off the side of the building when everyone was on it. Oh, my God. It's like in the Titanic. If the lifeboat just caught on fire. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I reference my own episode, but. (laughs) It's a, it was an episode I chose specifically because not only was it um, an absolute tragedy against women, but women fought for workplace safety rights. Mm-hmm. As they should. Got to uh, keep all the, all the ladies safe as well as the boys and the oh, uh, non-binary. Everybody safe because uh, there's nothing worse than uh, going to make your livelihood in a dangerous environment. Absolutely. And so in this one, you have 145 workers who were crushed or burned alive and 166 who were injured. And I don't know what to what degree. This is 1860. Yeah, there's probably some amputations, biting bullets. Oh, yeah. So feel free to go back and listen to Triangle Shirtwaist. I feel like that's one thing we take for granted is our limbs these days. Because that was a pretty common thing where you had to. Oh, like, yeah. Oh, it looks kind of infected. We're just going to get We're rid gonna of We're going to have to take it off. Arm. Otherwise, you'll die. Right? Yeah. Very, very die. common. <laughs> um, so what else happened in 1860? Let me tell you one of my favorites. Uh, the Pony Express sent out its first run spanning St. Joseph, Missouri to Sacramento, California. It only operated from 1860 to 1861, about 18 months, so more than double the time that Quibi did. That was seven months. <laughs> I thought you were going to laugh at Quibi. <laughs> I, was, I was like, I'm going to give my best horse impression. I loved it. I loved everything about it. Please just put that on a... I wish you could put that on a business card. <laughs> 
that's the second part of my of my horror. You know, slowly building up my animal uh, impressions. You know, honestly, I think you could do more animal impressions than Quibi. Fab. <laughs> All right. So, guess what else happened in 1860? What? Abraham Lincoln becomes the 16th president of the United States. Well, he's the bride to be. He would take over in 1861, as we know how inaugurations go, right? Mm-hmm. But we're going to get to the important part. Brace yourself, all right? December 20th, South Carolina is the first state to secede from the U.S. And on Christmas Eve, they issue their declaration of the immediate causes which induce and justify the secession of South Carolina from the federal union, AKA their crap version of their declaration of independence. So allow me to give you an excerpt from said document, just to clear some air here as (laughs) the primary reason is cited as increasing hostility on the part of the non slave holding States to the institution of slavery. So, if anyone ever tells you states, claims, etc., that the Civil War was not over white American people and their ability to own black American people, they are lying and they have not read the text. There is the option that they are delusional, but likely they are in their correct mind and have one of the two former options going for them. Every single use of the Confederate flag is a stain on the American public. People died, were murdered, and the flag symbolizes that belief that the one person should be allowed to own another person based solely on the color of their skin, that there are people in the world that are inferior and should be subjugated. It does not mean Southern pride, unless Southern pride is dehumanizing and subjugation of any person who is not a white, cisgendered, heterosexual presenting man. The Constitution of the United States has been amended because of flaws at initial conception. It is not a divine document. Hell, the Bill of Rights was added right away. Somehow we allow monuments of hatred stand, and it's just constant shame and further proof that people are not equal in this country. Just empty words. As Orwell said in Animal Farm, all are equal, but some are more equal than others. And if this hits a nerve for you, evaluate that nerve and consider it against every other human who feels the hate and self-loathing soaking in when they see this actual shit poured into them from birth to death. As I've said before, children taught the truth can identify with abolitionists, not slavers perpetuating inhumane crimes against other people, actual human beings with hopes, dreams, and wanting a better future for themselves. So several flags, including the Confederate flag. The the one thing that obviously there's a lot of there's a lot to unpack. There's a lot of there's a lot of there's a lot of traumatic history there. But the one thing that really gets me is that South Carolina declared their independence on Christmas Eve. They basically broke up with the United States on Christmas Eve. I got broken up with on New Year's Eve, and that was terrible. That was that was awful. So Bad timing. D- bad timing for a breakup. Christmas Eve. Come on, be classy. Oh yeah, that's they what made did. it really evil. Was <laughs> breaking up on a holiday. Yeah, you're gonna say, "Oh yeah, our our right to have slaves," and you're gonna do it on Christmas Eve. 
the time of giving. You're taking. You're just. You're just being. The Jesus that's who you're time. Be. You the think Jesus the Jesus. Time. Jesus is not on your side here, buddy. Jesus would be like, nah, what, what are you doing? Keep me out of this. Keep Guys, keep me out of this. This is my <laughs> birthday. You know, I just want everybody to have a good time. And then you guys are doing this. You know, you're not you're not invited to the white elephant party next year. White elephant party? <laughs> I don't know. They probably didn't have white elephant parties back then. They probably had like white, maybe white donkey parties or white, uh, no, no, I don't know, they, badger they parties. White people parties. <laughs> And was you almost made me spit out my water. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing is at, there's all this rhetoric saying that civil war was about states' rights. It was not. It was. It, it was. was it was very. It was a very economical, uh, obviously human rights stuff. But it was. You know, it's. It, it was very much ingrained into their economy was that they didn't have to pay for the labor. It was just like that. The, the, the guy you're talking about, uh, he built his entire empire with slaves. Exactly. It, On it's, it's, free labor. Mm-hmm. And they were, they were fighting to, to keep that essential part of their culture and economy. It, it was, of course it was wrong. Uh, and that's, that's, they were probably just really motivated because if they lose their slaves, they're like, what do we do? It's like I guess you got to guess you got to work yourself, man. Yeah, it's like the northern states are like, oh, I'm sorry, you have to do things for yourself now. And don't get me wrong, there were plenty of people in the south who did not own slaves. There were yes. plenty of abolitionists in the south also, and that's my point: is if you do not teach the truth, you, like I hate this argument of like, well, white kids will feel bad because white people did bad things. No. No, 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 no. I've always known the truth. I knew the truth about slavery. And guess what? I identified with the abolitionist. There's this theory of, well, what would I have done during civil rights? And this is something that Matt, our mutual friend, Matt Robinson, Mm -hmm. brought up in an episode several weeks ago, where it's what you would do in civil rights is going to be what you do right now. You are the same person. This this thing does not change. You will be the same person you were. Your moral compass isn't going to change just because of the time. And I definitely believe that in 1960, I would be the same person I am now. And in 1860, I would be the same person I am now. And I would not stand for anything other than the liberation of Black Americans and anyone who was subjugated granted as a woman i'd be fucked (laughs) yeah (laughs) you know that's an uphill battle right there during that time period for you but actually let me get let me move a little forward in our story because i have a little bit more to share Mm -hmm. so why is 1860 so important the civil war is beginning and this man is a slaver as you mentioned in a house who wants to keep his slaves He made his money with slaves, and I'm sure he practiced medicine, too, at what cost. I'm not saying anything, but I'm implying. It's not going to end well, right? He's like, hey, uh, hey, uh, uh, John, uh, can uh, can I stick this in your arm real quick? Do you need that appendix? I need to practice my medicine. I'll get you guys a a new outhouse, the best outhouse that that uh, $4 can can buy. Equivalent four dollars. <laughs> yeah, um, it's just a hole. <laughs> it's just a hole, but it's a bigger hole. Yes, 
All right, so we're going to give it five years and we're going to find ourselves in 1865, where his artisans were emancipated. So without all of those ill-gotten gains, funding his gambling and alcoholism, life became a whole lot harder. And in 1867, so two years later, mm-hmm. Dr. Drish took a drunken tumble down those tower stairs and broke his neck. Dun, At dun, least dun. according to historical research. Rumor had it that it was either an accident during withdrawals from alcohol or a suicide jump from the second floor. For some time after, servants reported hearing a terrible cry and the sound of something or someone falling down the stairs, but nothing was there. Let's talk about the what the landscape was going to look like, right? So it must be hard to live and be responsible for yourself now. And, you know, I looked into it and what was going on around that time? I found this extremely interesting. So the National Labor Union passed a resolution, and this is what it read. The first great necessity of the present to free labor of this country from capitalist slavery is the passing of a law which eight hours shall be the normal working day in all states of the American Union. Quick explanation on terms here. Free labor is also the free produce movement, which was an international boycott of goods produced by slave labor. It was used by abolitionists as a nonviolent way for individuals to fight slavery. And then capitalist slavery is also wage slavery. The dependence on wages or a salary for their livelihood, especially when wages are low, conditions are poor, and there are few chances of upward mobility. So back in that time, you could survive without a job in a certain way, because if you had a farm, you could make food. And if you had certain access, you could trade goods and labor, Mm-hmm. You know, but mm-hmm. you didn't have to have wages to survive in a yeah, certain that, way. That kind of reminds me of uh, what fair trade is today, like that sort of law. It, it feels similar to to what that is uh, today mm-hmm. with the fair trade. Right. And so why do I bring that up? John Drish made his living off of chilling out. He worked when he felt like it and he was deeply entitled to continue doing so. But the tide of the general public was to free disenfranchised human beings and to pay people a living wage. Holy shit, does that throw a huge bee in his bonnet? He could not handle any of those things to the point that he took his own life, allegedly, or drunk himself into a stupor. And in 1867, he went down them there stairs in that manner. Man, he, he's like, nope, you just quit. I yep. can't do it. Goodbye. The ultimate goodbye. Here's, are you, like, are you ready to get gooped again? Ooh. So his widow, Sarah, remember the, the rich widow? Mm-hmm. Now she's the rich his, widow. His uh, sugar widow. mama. His sugar mama. It yeah. felt like it, right? Total so this sugar is mama. His, Especially his if it widow. was a sugar plantation that he inherited. Oh, my God. <laughs> a lo- widow- that's, that's where the term came from, sugar mama. It's like the, uh, the widow who owned a sugar plantation. <laughs> Oh. That would be, I mean, I'm totally making that up, but that would be wild. No, no, we're starting that myth. It's our new rumor. <laughs> it's a new rumor. Sugar Mama comes from the Civil War era when uh, uh, men married widows who owned sugar plantations. Oh, I love it. 
But his widow squared now, Sarah, Mm -hmm. she channels her grief into fulfilling his wishes about the elaborate funeral he wanted. She saved the expensive taper candles used in the memorial and told her family that she wanted them used at her own funeral. They were identical to John's and when she passed. So she, so you're saying that these really expensive candles, he asked for that and a bunch of other expenses. And the widow also wanted those same crazy expensive things for her funeral too. Specifically the candles. Like she, so he, she had to re, she, was she getting brand new candles or was she reusing the, the same no, candles? She like saved them. You, you know, as, okay, as the son of a hoarder, <laughs> there is to me something kind of sweet about that. Uh, like where, you know, it's like, oh, like you use the same, it's almost like the same ritual. It's drama. From, from the, it, it is drama. The same romantic side. It's, you know, I'm a very keepsakey person. Like, I still have gifts my wife gave me 10 years ago. Uh, but that's she, different. Yeah. You're alive. Oh, that's that's true. I guess. <laughs> that's true. I didn't even think about that. Like, she wanted those same candles at her funeral, right? So, is that was that like a... You think that was a... You think that was an act of love or an act of obsession? Maybe both? I think obsession. Okay. Because if she really loved him and those candles, she would have buried him with it. Yeah, that's true. Let Hot it. Let take. him have those. He want, If he wanted the extreme stuff, then yeah, that makes sense. Just saying. So she wanted the, the candles, the same ones, when she passed. And she did not pass until 1884. So it's like 20 years. She's holding on those candles for a long time. Those hot summer days. Got to keep them in a cold place. Maybe the basement. The candles were not used. What? It's unknown whether somebody in the family was cheap or didn't want something so expensive used for that purpose. Whether they didn't bother searching or whether they just couldn't find them. But it wasn't long after Sarah's passing that the fire brigade was called to Monroe Place to answer a report of a fire in the tower. However, when they arrived, the tower room was empty. No sign of light, let alone a fire. Whoa, spooky. But get this crap, okay? Mm -hmm. What's going on in 1884? It's kind of hilarious. That's when Labor Day is established. Labor Day? (laughs) The holiday where everybody has barbecues. Oh, no. That's the one Congress gently encouraged eight-hour work days. Do we get it? Listen, like, it wouldn't be actualized for everyone until 1937, proposed in the New Deal, which set the max to 40 hours a week and established overtime. But basically, companies kind of did it. And we saw some improvements from the 10-hour to 16-hour days that companies were trying to pull in with child labor too but you know they don't care about human beings it's money 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 yeah but hilarious that she dies the same year labor day is established <laughs> i don't know why it's funny to me <laughs> well there's a lot i mean there's a lot of uh labor stuff like with the women and the fire and there's an- now there's another woman and another fire there's some there's some con- uh connecting threads here for sure oh yeah it's just i think it's cosmically funny to me (laughs) but it's in the air it's in the spirits oh totally 
outside of the Monroe place, of Monroe place, right? Like the house. Mm-hmm. The Drish family saw another tragedy. Her niece, Helen Whiting, what a very on the nose name, mm-hmm. married a jealous, jealous drunken man who slit her throat when she tried to patch things up with him after a bender. Some of Helen's belongings were housed in Monroe Place, and the servants were afraid to touch them, believing they would be haunted by her ghost if anything was moved. This is a very uh, um, American Horror Story first season vibes with the with the maids. Like they're like, "Don't do that." I they're like, "I've been here for one hundred years, and I know I do not go into that room. That's where the spirits live." <laughs> they know the rules because they've they've seen it all. Oh, yeah, they've seen it. And they're like, mm, no. They're like, no, so and that's the why they stayed spent. alive. They, they oh. stayed alive. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's how you stay alive. In the years since, the Drish House has undergone, undergone, the Drish House has undergone many a transformation. It fell into ruin at the beginning of the 20th century, where it should have stayed, but it did not. The city rescued it and turned it into a school in 1906. What a move. You know what was going on in 1906? Uh, the pre-World War I times. Uh. Teddy Roosevelt's in office. Things aren't great. That's when Upton Sinclair's The Jungle is published, forcing Congress to pass the Meat Inspection Act and Pure Food and Drug Act. Yum. Even worse, the Native American tribal governments are terminated so they could create the state of Oklahoma. Great job, America. It's not like we go back on treaties all the time and just go do some more land snatching. It's still just just so tragic. But hey, the Osage Allotment Act gives land to the Osage Nation in Oklahoma as if it makes it any better after snatching land jesus but you know what i found really funny when i looked up this year is the births that happened in 1906 it's like one of those weird moments because you know like how martin luther king jr and Anne frank were born in the same year oh i didn't know that yeah totally well here's one that will really get your goose Mm -hmm. four people born in the same year the actress josephine baker the makeup Mm -hmm. mogul estee lauder the legendary mm-hmm. baseball player Satchel Paige, mm-hmm. and Ed Gein. Ed Gein. Well, who is Ed Gein? Ed Gein, the serial murderer. Oh. Random, right? Yeah. Back to the story. <laughs> Jemison School was later sold to the Tuscaloosa Wrecking Company and then used as an auto parts warehouse featured in the 1941 book on the poverty of Alabama sharecroppers and tenant farmers. The Monroe Place photograph featured in Let Us Now Praise Famous Men was eventually displayed at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. For what? Wait, can you say that again? Yeah. The Monroe Place photograph, so like a photograph of the the of place. Of this haunted house. Of this haunted plantation. Uh-huh. Was featured in Let Us Now Praise Famous Men. Uh, Eventually. Like a, a plantation that like owned slaves oh. and stuff and was the spot of a, uh, a number of 
very bad incidents was displayed at the Museum of Modern Art? <laughs> no, the Metropolitan. Oh, the Metropolitan Muse- Museum Museum of Art. Museum of Art, yeah. You know. Okay, like curators, you know, sometimes... The building, however, became a church until scheduled for demolition in 1994. So as the building's glory faded, its legend grew. That is how these things go. Tales spread of the lower tower... Wait. Tales spread as the tower being seen on fire, a sign of Sarah Drish's anger, that John's funeral candles weren't used at her memorial. (gasps) Or, as some others have suggested, the ghost of a runaway slave, again, human being, who did hide in the tower... And was allegedly burned to death after being recaptured. What the actual nightmare is that? I would hope that if that is true, they ruin every event held there. No sign of fire has ever been found in the tower. Man, that, that's that's what happens with, with haunted houses and, and ghosts. Usually a lot of haunted house stuff, it's some, it's rooted in some sort of deep tragedy and the ghosts are there. And uh, you know, I hope I hope the ghost uh, got his uh, got his revenge. Oh, absolutely! There are other suggestions of hauntings, including the scent of flowers, associated with Catherine Drish King, who worked in the garden when she was allowed to venture out of her room. What did they do to that young woman? A woman's footsteps and voice have also been heard running down the stairs, also assumed to be Catherine. Now, in an upstairs bathroom, there's a rush of cold air when someone opens the door and a figure has been seen at the window. That'll save on your AC bill, especially during the summer. That's what I was thinking. And in Alabama, that is the armpit of the U.S. Right? And armpits are hot. And moist. And moist. (laughs) Yep. Now, after being placed on Alabama's places and peril list in 2006... Monroe Place, now known as the Drish Manor or Drish House, was stabilized and restored. It is currently used to host weddings and other events. What better place to start uh, your life than with a with a place that has had so much death? Literally. In conclusion, I believe that if anyone is haunting the Old South, it is not Civil War soldiers. It's not Southern Bells. It's the people wronged and tortured there in the South. Once again, white people make it all about them. And honestly, I hope ghosts ruin your wedding. I hope that some spirit comes up and ruins the office luncheon. There's this TikTok, I think, where, like, the office was like, show up in Southern regalia. And the only black man in the office showed up in period-appropriate clothing, and he showed up in slave-era clothing. And they got mad at him? Honestly, first off, why would you ever put that man in that situation? How absolutely dare they? And second, (laughs) honestly, him having the absolute grace and elegance to pull that off is legendary. I cannot get over that. That's better than not going. That's forcing them to face what they all collectively agreed to do without considering the consequences of their actions. And if the initial reaction is, well, they didn't think about it, that's not his problem. He has to think about it every single day. He never stops being black. Being white did not absolve them from having to consider the harm of the past, and it's their responsibility to consider every single person 
in the situation and how it would affect. Very simple. But the fact that he showed up and was like, I'll do it. I'll make you see me. I think is such a gorgeous and elegant way to fight back against people who refuse to accept the past. It's I feel like Gandhi would have would have approved. It's a, a, a peaceful protest. You know, I think Gandhi was like, yeah, that would have been a that would have been great. Uh, a great way to uh, get them get the message out there in a uh, peaceful uh, and uh, intelligent way. You say peaceful, but I feel like it is so aggressive. I mean, yes. I mean, the I I I, I meant. Vi- oh no, no! I know violence. what you meant. Yeah, yeah. The physicality of it—it's not violent, but the that was some mental violence, and I love it. I love the fact that he was not going to play the game. He was not going to play. Like, it didn't bother him. It bothered him. And it was absolutely appropriate to respond in that way because he did exactly as asked. I mean, you can't, you probably can't, he followed the rules. You can't really fire him for that. Nope. Not only did he follow the rules, he followed them to the letter. And that's the thing about making someone do that. And, (laughs) hmm. When you have someone just ignoring history, this is the problem with not teaching the truth. Why are these places still here? It's like in Germany, his place is a fucking parking lot. Why are we keeping these places? Why are we having weddings there? I would. No, absolutely not. The golf course must have been booked. I, I mean, that was entirely as a joke. Not, 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 not. No, no. Seriously, though. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, you know, it's probably a really cheap venue. <laughs> uh, no, I'm, of course, I'm just I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, yeah. it's. Uh, yeah, it, it would be uh, it's good to, you know, like you like, like in your show, let's talk about the facts. I think knowing the facts throughout history is is crucial to understanding not only where we are, but where we're going. The facts are super important. Yeah, because these people who hosted that event and forced that man to make a choice of how to comply with an event, they forced him. And you know what? Mm-hmm. I think he's a hero. And for every other person who comes behind him, he's a hero. And as for this place, haunted or naunted, that is our our question, totally haunted by the ghost of the disenfranchised. And someone give me the destroyed wedding of some bell who deserves it. That's how I feel. That's, prob- that's probably a... Uh, I'm not going to lie. I would love to watch that show. If that was a show, like if the ghost was there... And he was trying to ruin, uh, uh, like, weddings and stuff. Oh, absolutely. So what do you think of the dress house? What are your thoughts? I, uh, the house, so here are my thoughts. I'd say that I want, you know, with every ghost, there's usually a, a moment of, what's it called, passing on, or what's it called when they go to heaven? What's it called? I think it's the, passing on. Passing on, Yeah. I would I would hope that uh, enough healing will happen uh, now and in the future that his spirit will be able to pass on. You know, there's the bill, 
that's uh, <laughs> from what I understand is still yet to be paid. So hopefully these these hauntings will happen less and these spirits can finally rest when uh, a lot I think is a, a lot of healing. It's just a sign that there still needs to be healing done um, within within our society. And I think oh, healing definitely. will bring us closer together. So I and hope I hope a spirit can move on. I hope that John Drish is, you know, bathing in acid right now. <laughs> and until all of the people he owned and subsequently abused due to the disenfranchisement, all of their families receive restitution. He continues to bathe in acid. I can live with that. Is Just that bad like, of uh... me? You, you know, every 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 punishment has a crime and uh, every and it will be paid for, whether in this life or the next. So you're probably right. He's probably still an acid right now. I just feel like, you know, start restituting. That's not a I, word. <laughs> I, I <laughs> believed you. <laughs> you right, said it with well, confidence. You know what? I am making it a word now. Boom. Just like the root of Sugar Mama is uh, a widow who owned a sugar plantation. I love it. And, well, you know, we have had facts and we've talked about them. And thank you so much for being on the show today. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much, Elizabeth, for having me on. Oh, it was my pleasure. And this has been another fact that we have talked about, the haunting of the Durish Manor and I guess the disenfranchisement of the South. <laughs> <laughs> Lightly. Um, my name is Elizabeth Fury, and you can find the show at T-A-L-K-A-B-T-F-A-C-T-S, Talk About Facts. And with me today was... Robbie DeVillas. Where can we find you? You can find me on my socials, which would be at Robbie uh, DeVillas, uh, or it might be at Robbie.DeVillas. It's, uh, it, you'll probably find me either way. And I also have a website, uh, RobbieDeVillas.com. What an easy way to find a guy. So join us next week. We will be talking about something. Something. Goodbye. Just know that Margot Martindale is one of the best actresses, and I love her. I'm going to write that down. Margot Martindale. Damn. I'm sad because I had a really funny aside. <laughs> you know what? I'm going to tell you. So I was on a date with someone. Uh-huh. And they told me that he was their favorite president. And they stood Ooh. up from the table. I left my scarf there. Okay. Wow, thankful- <laughs> you left your clothes. You're like, you you upset me so much, you can no, have like, my accessories. I am thankful I had a messenger style bag on because otherwise who knows what 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 would have happened. Okay. And I just got up and I walked out of the restaurant. Like I walked all the way home. That was two miles in Los Angeles. You could have said Andrew Garfield. You could have said Tuft. You could have said any of them, but you had to say Andrew Jackson. I was in a fugue state, okay? I was shocked. Completely gooped. Matt, I feel I feel your uh here's a question. Because you hate Andrew Jackson so much, do you ever keep any 20s on you? You should I feel like as, as for defiance, you should never have a $20 bill 
of I Andrew Jackson. Start keeping money on me when Harriet Tubman hits a bill. 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 